I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. A podcast for two brothers who watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watch the new Todd Field movie starring Kate Blanchett, uh, shaping up to be the awards movie of the year, Tar. Tar. It sounds like it's going to be like some Viking gladiator epic, doesn't it? Someone asked me if it was a movie about the La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles and dinosaurs if it gets you to watch it sure (laughs) uh i think it's safe to say we loved this movie and it made for a very fun conversation uh let's cut to our conversation already in progress let's jump in sleepyheads okay this time with a bit more grandeur with some majesty and a soupçon of awe okay you were talking about my intro, the okay right there, right? I was talking about the episode of Frasier where he conducts an orchestra for his theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, that's fine fine and all, but this time with a bit more grandeur. A soup song. <laughs> oh, they play the same notes. See? Uh, that's what good conducting can do for you. It's like the whole room full of all these different players. <laughs> Uh, Tara wishes she could do that. I would love a week off to just watch about a week's worth of Frasier. That just sounds really nice. We paid, you know, a month subscription feed to Peacock for for Halloween movies, and now we get to enjoy the fruits of the Frasier labor. And is that why you are not paying for Hulu right now? (laughs) You really want me to start paying for Hulu again. (laughs) Because someone reaps the, the benefits. And our mother I do, I do. is not paying for Netflix. No, no, no. So her password got changed because she got hacked by someone in Malaysia. Uh, mom, yeah. mom and the Malaysians are always going at it. Yeah. We, we know this. So, so that's still happening, but uh, I'd love to get the Hulu going again. You know, keep movies on my watch list keep getting added to Hulu, and I have uh, no way of watching them. So Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I feel like, uh, hey, c- can you riddle me this? I texted you, and you did not okay. answer. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Did uh, 20 yes, people I've been on my thinking letterbox about this all morning. just watch Notting Hill with... Uh, you know, I have an answer for you. What's her name? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Because I was one of them. Yes, I know. I, I have an answer for you. It's on Netflix, and I think Netflix is pushing it mm. because of Ticket to Paradise. Right, but is I've never even heard of Notting Hill. Is that like a top five for her or something? I, I would say most people would probably say yes. Like top five rom-com for julia roberts yes what's and how does it compare to like a pretty woman like is uh, it in, in the conversation of... with her like this is her definitive works because like um, all, literally on my feed it was like six Notting hills in a row that's hilarious it was very strange and i was like this is not this is made in 1999 so so it's this it's a richard curtis movie and he's like the guy who did mamma mia and love actually he wrote uh-huh. love actually and yeah, so he's and Bridget Jones, so he's got kind of that pedigree of rom com. Um, uh, but I don't know, I, I think people really love it. I'd never seen it before because I think the title sucks. And oh, it's awful. Do you know what it's about? Do you know what the premise is? I'm a, she is a princess, maybe? No, no, who's to say? She, she is a movie star. And she walks into Hugh Grant's tiny little travel bookstore on, on, on in Notting Hill, and that's you've got mail, but reverse. 
um, in terms of the power yeah that. and one of them is a celebrity yeah so i see what you're saying yes um and i found it to be quite fun um, i will say if i suggest that to sarah tonight for movie night she will 100 percent take me up on it oh no that's why I'm, I'm surprised you guys haven't watched this yet because i feel like this is something she would watch for the next month well our netflix again our the malaysian ah, yeah, is yeah, messed yeah, with yeah. it yeah <laughs> The hack job. Uh, but we, I mean, and I will say, my biggest takeaway from watching Notting Hill is that Malaysian hack job is a cocktail <laughs> name for sure. I gotta make that. All right, my biggest takeaway from watching Notting Hill was really just how great Julia Roberts is. Just straight up movie star. Pretty, pretty effortless. Um, but we're not here to talk about Notting Hill. Spe- but maybe, speaking of Malaysian hack jobs. <laughs> Is that how she gets canceled? It was Doesn't she go to Malaysia? <laughs> yeah, I know she does. She does end up in some Malaysia-adjacent country at the end. Yeah, it's not exactly clear. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are here to talk about uh, what is shaping up to be the uh, awards movie of the year. Can we say that? Um, Truly. On my the, hidden uh, top ten list of movies for 2022, uh, it's, it's number one right now. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I would I would say so. We're talking about Tar, the uh, Todd Field directed Kate Blanchett uh, movie uh, Tar, uh, which is playing kind of wide right now. But you caught it on what the last showing in Reading. Reading tried it for about a week and a half, and then they said <laughs> nope. <laughs> and remember that uh, bet I made with you? I bet you a thousand dollars I'd be the only one in the theater. Like that's yeah. how confident. Yeah, I I got there. Five minutes late and you know i figure okay we're gonna be halfway through the second trailer and yeah. it was halfway through the credits of the movie oh which my gosh op- which opens the movie yes and yes. i was like re- they're like don't even play trailers for this thing because <laughs> we know no one's gonna be in that room so i swear the lady at the counter looked at me like you sure <laughs> But uh, but you saw the first shot of her sitting on the plane through the phone camera, right? I, I walked in right as that shot was ending, and I'm like, great, I'm actually missing things. So fill okay. me in on the okay. first shot, actually. So that's the first shot of the movie. It is... Well, like that, I, I caught like a millisecond of it. I mean, but I mean, that's the shot. It, nothing much happens in it. And... But and it's kind of that same motif that is carried throughout the movie of some observer filming her on some live chat well, thing. Recreate it just because I for thought it was like a movie ad because it cut. Like mm. I didn't even. That's how little I saw of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Tar opens with this. It's kind of very odd, especially because of what comes directly after it. But it opens with this shot of Lydia Tar, Kate Blanchett, sitting in like a private jet. She's got a face, you know, eye mask on, like she's like like kind of passed out in her seat and somebody is filming her on a phone using some like kind of live stream chat app mm-hmm. um because then you can see messages back and forth between the observer and somebody and they're kind of it's making like, fun of her it's like twitch if it was designed by apple yeah yeah the like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and but and like kind of peer-to-peer one-to-one not yeah, like yeah. you know to all my followers or whatever and so you know the, these these two people are kind of having a conversation making fun of her a little bit about i i guess kind of the how much she's a diva and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing and just kind of how fake she feels and right and we don't really know who it is and and then it immediately cuts from that to kind of this very uh, like kind of classical feeling opening credits which is to say the, uh, I mean, the I entire actually, credits. It's the entire opening credits in reverse order, which there's certainly something there, obviously, um, because 
because the Todd Field credit, the Kate Blanchett, the acting credits, those are not in the opening. So mm. it's it's even kind of a unique opening credits um, in that it is like like they show the uh, craft table provider company in these credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like there's that many going on. So it's all the tradespeople who worked on the movie, and it goes on for a long time. And we hear this kind of um, solo um, singing piece. Um, the Malaysian hack job. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's probably Icelandic, um, but um, it's all the same if it's not America. <laughs> and then it, you know, and then and we get and it's an ex- pretty extended opening credit sequence, and then goes into the movie proper. And but it but it's such a weird first image because you know, so Tar we should say is a movie about Lydia Tar, who is kind of a preeminent conductor in the classical music world. She's a fictional character who has really been inserted into what I think Todd Field is aiming to uh, cre- you know, recreate some, some sort of uh, uh, um, true-to-life version of this world that I know mm-hmm. basically nothing about. Right. But it, you know, in that, basically, the credits roll, and the first sequence after the credits is this extended interview between um, Lydia Tarr and Adam Gopnik from... The New Yorker. It could almost stage. be like a fresh air. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Adam Gopnik is playing himself. You know, he is. This is what he does. He interviews people, and and he's a staff writer for the New Yorker, and he does that role exactly what he does in this movie at New Yorker Fest, and so there is this kind of mixing of this fictional character in you know very real life settings, obviously. Right. But you know, when I think about when I have an expectation for what Tar is, which I I didn't I maybe seen a teaser trailer, I knew it was about Lydia Tar as a conductor. You, you kind of think it's going to be not str- not a straightforward biopic, but, mm-hmm. you know, and it being about classical music, what, what I don't think of is technology and social media. And the movie right. puts that front and center, first, first frame. Which um, I, I think if I would have seen that shot more in its entirety, that would have like set me up in a more interesting way. Yeah. And, and kind of just like playing with the themes and kind of motifs yeah. and questions that the movie has throughout. Because, yeah, yeah, the marketing is almost like a like thriller, dark. Oh, yeah. Like kind yeah. of psychological thriller. Yeah, exactly. But in the context of, like, classical world, which is cool. Yeah. And I don't know if it's necessarily that. But, yeah, it definitely sets you up one way and goes another. And it's really interesting, too, because there are these threads throughout the film that I don't think ever get fully resolved. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least in a kind of typically satisfying way. One of those threads, I this think, this movie's anything but satisfying. Oh my! Well, I'll tell you what. I left the theater very satisfied. This, <laughs> this was. I could have watched a seven-hour cut of this. Like, I, I feel like maybe twenty percent of our audience would be like, "Why did you tell me to go see this?" Twenty. <laughs> I'd say sixty percent would say, well, "What am I watching?" Um, you know, I recently had a had a situation. Um, you know, I, I went through the. I've been going through the ordination process at our. In our in my church and in, in, in our denomination, and a few weeks ago, I was examined on the floor, and anybody could ask me questions live, and and pretty difficult questions, and I had to preach, and then I had to leave the room, and they vote for me. Well, I came back in, and you know everybody's clapping; it was a unanimous vote. That was great. And then what they do is they pray for the the candidate, which is me, and my senior pastor, my boss, he 
kind of opened that prayer, but he he also prefaced it by quoting um, the Tree of Life. He kind of mm. introduces. He says Matthew. He's like, I know Matt, what I know what this it, guy needs. <laughs> yeah, he's like Matthew's favorite movie is is the Tree of Life, and and I was you know thinking about this quote from this movie, and he read it, and it was very it was very thoughtful of him, and and. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he then he jokingly turned to me a couple minutes later and said, "I still haven't watched it, but uh, it's on my list." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but somebody, somebody uh, then um, because it was mentioned that it was my favorite movie, uh, did rent it and watch it, and then came up to me a week later and said, um, "I'm going to be honest, I didn't understand a minute of that." <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> and I and I said, I said, a me loving something is not the same as a recommendation. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> and that is uh, tar i think in a lot of ways fits into that category <laughs> yeah if this if this podcast had a f- family crest that would be the quote that's on it <laughs> uh, we had really some friends who watched it. house based off of our um top five house movies <laughs> i haven't even watched that and i was like man i'm sorry i couldn't have primed you more for <laughs> the chaos oh that's funny i i have not even watched that yet what i was saying i think there are these kind of un uh, or, or not typically satisfying threads that the movie mm-hmm. lays out the one of them being this kind of social media presence right there's never a there's never a, a kind of conventional resolution to that right. and 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 at times you're not even really sure who the observer is yeah sometimes uh, it feels like a fincher movie in its mystery and, and yeah kind of i darkness. was just gonna say and the, the yeah. other piece of that is the the kind of gifts or you know things that keep being left for her both in her apartment right right like the metronome in the middle of the night that the weird patterns that's kind of yeah. drawn on things you don't understand any of it and you assume that they're going to be like oh it all clicks in the end what these kind of easter eggs were leading towards and that i mean that's just not explained no and you know right, i like, I, I didn't watch the trailer till after, but I didn't even see it yeah. in the trailer. But I heard it mentioned that those patterns, um, there's a shot in one of the trailers of uh, one of the characters who has the pattern drawn on her face in like one of those um, kind of like like nightmare dream sequence nightmare dream sequence moments, yeah. yeah, to kind of like draw that character or tie that character to those drawings, uh, but they don't yeah. put that in the movie. So yeah. it was almost like in some of the trailers, they're giving you more answers than what they choose to yeah. include in the movie to get I mean, you in the doors, which makes sense. It, it, Yes, it's definitely built a certain way, and I actually I didn't find it to be disappointing at all. This no. this movie was anything but disappointing because I I was basically all in. Pretty I found quickly. it extremely refreshing to have only questions asked of me. Yeah, at the end of the movie. Yes, yes, and yeah. and there are sequences. I mean, to to me, the the parts of it that I zoned out the most were those dream sequences, but mostly because Same. I find dream sequences to be like the least compelling thing and a writer mm-hmm. could do. But, but you know, there's that sequence there, there are dream like sequences. Like when she goes um, running after um, her kind of new mentee Olga mm-hmm. trying to find her with the teddy bear. Like, and then she gets right. lost in this kind of underground maze and there's a dog or a wolf or something. And yeah, and 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 it's just there's no I mean, blurring the lines a bit between reality yes and, you know yes kind of like what you're saying earlier of like uh that that guy the interviewer who is yes very real and that's he's just doing his normal job with this yeah fictitious superstar maestra maestro yes but blurring lines there yeah 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 the the other thing that i really loved was oh and of course there's that cut to 
you know, kind of a montage of Lydia Tarr where you hear her being interviewed by Alec Baldwin for Here's the Thing. And I got to tell you, I'd listen like, to the whole it. I was like, I, I would, He's yeah, like, so I, I, you? <laughs> Wave a what, stick I really liked, what I really liked, Lydia, is that you made streaming classical music free during the pandemic. <laughs> impressions uh, of Alec Baldwin are just becoming impressions of Trump. Yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> Wave a stick around. I, <laughs> China. Uh, but uh, I, I this and this is my takeaway for the first half of the movie. I, I just thought I want to sit. Every one of these scenes could have been another twenty or thirty minutes, oh and I would have been totally happy. Well, okay. Do you think we need more setup for the the ongoing premise of this thing? Before we're, like, I don't know. What would you say? The pre- what would you say the premise is? Well, I think I expected. Well, okay. I, I mean, I think the 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 kind of catalyst for what is making the movie move mm-hmm. is that she's mounting this kind of big yeah. live recording of Mahler's Fifth Symphony with the Berlin Philharmonic, and and you know, according to what you hear early in the movie, this would be the first time that a conductor will have done this the the whole suite of Mahler symphonies. Mm-hmm. With she's one, done all nine except for this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with all with the same orchestra basically, and and so this is a big deal, and yeah. there you know there's some pressure about it, and 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 just kind of that anxiousness of kind of getting ready to, you know, kind of really launch this big thing. She's kind um, of accomplished every conceivable, yeah, you know, aspiration in a career of a conductor, and this almost feels like the artistic cap. Like if yeah. I can get this. I have carved out the most impressive, you know, resume in history yeah. or something. I mean, to the point where her awards include Adam Gopnik saying, and she's a winner of the EGOT award, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which the only thing I can think of when I hear EGOT is uh, Tracy Jordan <laughs> wanting an EGOT on 30 Rock. <laughs> the company she shares. I'm like, what movie? I'm like, I know what movie. The Succession theme song. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. Uh, um, that would be her... Her Emmy too, right? It's yeah. Emmy. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. her Emmy. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's her Emmy. But yeah, so she's mounting this bit production. There's some anxiety there, and then you kind of quickly learn, and, and and it's not just that. I mean, she's this you know well-renowned and you know sought-after person. She's at New Yorker Fest while she is in New York. She guest lectures in a conducting class at Juilliard, which is a scene I think we'll talk about. Um, certainly, we'll return to that. Probably the best scene of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. That is not an overstatement. That's how good that scene. <laughs> That's is. how insane that scene is. Uh, but and but then you kind of also learn more about Lydia Tarr as kind of this uh, a, a kind of background or history with I don't know how, how you would say it, kind of uh, uh, inappropriate relationships with people who are subordinate to her in the orchestra, right. and like she she so she uh, has a wife that she has a child with in Berlin. Mm-hmm. But she also seems to have a relationship with her assistant, right? And there's all these kind of like inklings throughout the movie that she, yeah, has a pattern. Yeah. Of having, well, and then even, yeah. and I, I love the way the movie sets it up too. Is you meet Lydia's wife in mm-hmm. Berlin before you find out that Lydia's wife is the first chair violin in the orchestra, right? And and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. At first, you think the wife is just like, like addicted to pills, like mess oh yeah 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 you yeah, know yeah. and then she's like one of the more composed characters in the movie yes like, dude, they are messing with me <laughs> it, no i think that's a great point that's how she's introduced in this kind of 
all the lights on in the apartment and Lydia's just had this, you know, very efficient, productive business trip mm-hmm. and the housewife is home, you know, like sloppy or whatever. Yeah, sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not Having what it an is episode, all. shall we say. <laughs> that's not what it is all. And the movie then reveals, oh, she's the first year violin. And you're like, okay, well, what was the order? What was the order of operations there? Right. Was right. She, and is she it, the first year just because she's in a relationship exactly, with the exactly. conductor? It, was it that or did she start a relationship with her first year violin right and and you're like okay well there's probably nothing not I, you know i don't want to say that a relationship like that should never happen but but it's like oh okay this with all of our other knowledge about lydia uh points points us to something it does not bode well no 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 not at all so that's kind of our setup of genius superstar who has some personal issues that we are learning about. And I got to say, maybe my favorite genre, type A geniuses who uh, <laughs> losing their minds. are losing their minds. I mean, this is like Phantom Thread, right? Uh, Phantom Thread. <laughs> this is every Daniel Day-Lewis movie ever. <laughs> it's, every, it's it's like also a lot of David Fincher movies. It's uh, Zodiac, I think. You know, it's kind it of was really giving like Zodiac. Three. It was, I know. For some reason. The it, pattern. It, it, it's the pattern. Oh, that's part of it. And yeah. I, I know there's there's no cell phones in Zodiac, but it feel it still feels like a Fincher move the way the fo- like technology yeah, yeah, is no. portrayed in this movie. Yeah. I don't know why. Very very like Gone Girl in that way. That's probably Cause, what it cause, is because yeah. there are, is um, cell phones in Gone Girl yeah. and the grays and blues that just yep. weigh oh, you down man. all movie. Uh, and Except for very like room. But, well, but even that there's an austerity to the architecture oh, of yeah. the of the you know uh, of the um, berlin philharmonic uh, what mm-hmm. do you call it? the performing arts center whatever it is yeah and and then and juilliard right the the right it's all conducting class and blues. is in and this like cement you know all straight lines all very her apartment uh, is uh, cement uh, brutalism yeah yeah even yep. her second apartment which is where she goes to write is all blue and dark and cold yeah ironically it's just her childhood home that has some warmth in it she also rejects that part of her yeah oh yes um, to the point where we find out her name isn't even lydia <laughs> linda <laughs> linda and she's like that is too uh, unseemly no and i love this detail it's not just that it goes from linda to lydia but that her name was tar t-a-r-r and she changed it to t accented a-r <laughs> right like it, it is the, the movie is so playful with linda tar is not a world-renowned composer <laughs> lydia tar is <laughs> I, I there is such a self-awareness in the film i think that i i think even some of some of its some of the criticisms that i've heard about it which i i don't even take a lot of stock into I think the movie is self-aware of those things and all of it is kind of of a point. Mm-hmm. Um, Deeply understanding of celebrity. Oh, and yeah. Celebrity. Well, especially celebrity in 2022. Yeah. For me, a big question of the movie is how do we reconcile great art and very troubled artists? And that's, you know, the kind of the question, especially the past two months of, you know, our modern time. Like when I look at the Kanye's, when I look oh, at the gosh. the Elon and Twitter stuff, I mean, he's yeah, not an artist, but right. But like these figures who have done undeniably uh, or have made undeniably amazing things, life world changing things, yeah. whether it be records or technology. But it, it's the 
idea and question that gets raised in that Juilliard class of how do we play and enjoy and be in awe of these classical pieces that we now know were written by very troubled people. And it's the same question of today. How do we put on graduation or, you know, any any whatever Kanye record you love and listen, oh, okay, listen to yeah, it yeah. the same way, kind of just but knowing what's going on. But it's the same on. thing with movies. It's the same thing with movies. Oh, it's, we got our Woody uh, Allens. We have our yeah. Kevin Spacey. Roman Polanski. Oh, Kevin right. Spacey is a great example, right? It's like we really do not want to give up some of these movies. <laughs> I saw this. Do you remember Do you remember a couple of years ago, it was like around Christmas time, Kevin Spacey recorded like, <laughs> a very strange video. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, do, uh, you knew this was the case the whole time. He's cutting like a turkey like, in the dark for some reason. What a psycho. Like that guy, like I'm good not watching most of his stuff. <laughs> what has he given us that I truly need, actually? It feels like he's in character as, as his character from House of Cards. Anyways, I saw someone tweet I'd love. I, I, I just imagine that Lydia Tarr does one of those Kevin Spacey videos every so, few months. You knew what I was doing the whole time with these women. You knew I led that girl to suicide, and you didn't care because you loved the music that much. But that's the okay, question. So the, that's that that's becomes, the grappling, right? Well, I, yes, and the and the movie is like acutely aware of that. Because because then, like, this is what is so uh, brilliant about the movie, is you know she's not a great person. Mm-hmm. You're kind of led to get there. And then all of a sudden we watch maybe a 10-minute sequence of her rehearsing and conducting the Mahler Fifth. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah. She's a genius. I'm all in. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, play this for an hour. Well, And every time they're rehearsing, I don't want to be anywhere else. Right. And yeah, and it, I, even has that warmth that kind of contrasts much of the rest of the movie. Yes. Like it is brutal in its you know architecture, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, there yeah. is a warmth yeah. and like a, a settled feeling to those scenes. Yes, uh, absolutely. And like they could have gone the whiplash route where she's just like an insane perfectionist, and I'm so glad they didn't. I mean, she is, but not in a like not not my time. You know, like no no no. I think that's a great point. When you watch her conduct, when she is speaking in German and giving them direction right it it feels if not gentle something coming close to that right it is it is exacting but it is not mean she is i i I, you're absolutely right this is one of the best choices of the movie is that in her genius she is never she, she never is abusive to the orchestra right right this is you know, I, I mean, it's similar probably, I think, to like Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. where he is never abusive to like the dressmakers. Right. And in fact, there seems to be a real care for them. Right. He understands what they do and appreciates yes. it so much. Yes. Yeah. He's abusive to his muse. Right. And and I think Tar Lydia Tar is as well. Yeah, he should have been the um, the tailor for her suits. I, I was thinking that's I was the, thinking that's the extended universe that I would want. My gosh, the Lydia Tar Woodcock <laughs> House of Woodcock House, 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 of, of, House of House of Woodcock crossover. Man, that that is what I want. But well, so, and I had oh, go ahead. I was say so the the what I was thinking about like this movie's awareness of celebrity. Like the thing I find most interesting about it is that she is a celebrity who is a little bit older and has different values than these 20-somethings coming up in the world. And so she doesn't know that she's already done the thing that's going to ruin her. 
Mm. You know, and like like in that scene in Juilliard where it's like there there are supersedes you know whatever personal issues that this person uh, and, and but with. there are you're talking about like these classical yeah Bach and, right. and Mozart yeah. and, you know because yeah. they kind of talk about like a, a student yeah. doesn't want to play the. The, those composers music he doesn't want to play were, Bach specifically yeah because he was problematic yeah. and she she has no values for this that a yeah. younger generation does have values for and so and so I, that's what I find even with the quickly recording her in secret and she has no grid for how no. the world is eventually going to be receiving yes. who she is yes. you know but like even stuff like her editing her Wikipedia page or you know, all, all these little details that you assume celebrities don't do, that they are yeah. just like, you know, too busy being geniuses and famous. Yep. But it's like, no, yep. they have such awareness of how they are perceived by people. Yes. And so when you see kind of the reckoning come for them, where they, yeah. they're they so fine-tuned to little things about how they're perceived, and then the glaring, like, issues mm. in their life, they have no, like, yeah, of course, yeah. like, I get to do that. I'm a celebrity. Yeah. You know, this, this won't bring me down. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it is. It's interesting too because I think we live in that balance right now of people like Kanye, mm-hmm. and 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 many like him that are just like, what happened? And and then you have people like Taylor Swift. I think who are who is she is so she she. It would not surprise me if Taylor Swift is editing her own Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. But what right. is probably true is she has a team of people that are doing that all the time. Right. And right. she is so specific about her image. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's all the stuff that played out in September with the Don't Worry, Worry Darling, the, yes. the Olivia Wilde movie, right? Florence Pugh and her team, they were so aware of what was going on and how this was being perceived and when to distance themselves and yep. when to kind of make fun of it. When to make fun, when to walk in with an Aperol spritz as in, I don't care about this dumb yes. cir- like circus of drama. I'm yes. above this. When to refer to herself as Miss Flo on her Instagram, right. which was like the derisive nickname she got from the director, right? Like Florence Pugh is a great example of handling this exceptionally well. And then right. you've got the Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis thing, which is just a meltdown. <laughs> if someone were to serve papers to Tar while she's composing that, <laughs> I need that deleted scene. <laughs> Great. Can we talk about the, the Juilliard scene? So, yep. so you, you've alluded to it, and right. she's guest lecturing in this kind of small-ish class on conducting. There's, there's maybe 25, 30 students in the room, kind of spread out. Yeah. And a, uh, a student named Max is conducting... Pangender BIPOC. Yes. <laughs> uh, Max is conducting a piece that, like, like you, 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 it starts and you really don't know what the piece is. It's very haunting. And, and it's very haunting. And, it and it's is the very, first really like, music we hear in the movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and it's very weird and it's very modern. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no doubt that it's a very modern piece. Like more and, experimental and abstract. Yeah. And then you see the student directing it and, and Lydia's there and and she's pretty unsatisfied with with <laughs> She right, she steps you, up and says, This is some bull <laughs> <laughs> She says she makes a joke, you know, pretty early on in her rant about how it sounds like he you know, he picked a piece for woodwinds to sound like they do when they're tuning or something right like that, right? right. Like just kind of this weird yawning sound, yeah. And 
and a very far cry from you know kind of Lydia's wheelhouse of classical music and the giants and this is of the classical thing. music yeah and this is the thing and and i think she knows this but this is even what the movie plays with is like a piece like what max is composing exists because of everything that came before it it's right? a response to it it's a response to it and and lydia is just not interested right but you know she is trying to say what well, why wouldn't you pick a bach piece mm-hmm. and this and this this student max says well bach was a a womanizer and he had 20 kids or something right he got sets up as it he sets it up as well as a bipoc person yeah i I cannot engage with the misogyny and the racism from this composer yeah and lydia kind of really she's like like, this some bull (laughs) (laughs) she's not having it she is not having this like (laughs) she you know, I think there's a turn in the scene where she she kind of steps into, okay, I, I'm just going to let you all know how I really feel about this. She goes and from, like, slyly cutting him down to, like, aggressively, like, showing off her prowess as a, like, music dictionary and, I don't know, her, I guess her uh, and ideas a, and about a, And a kind of a critic of culture. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, that's perfect. And 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 how thoughtful and articulate she is about it. That's that's the thing is mm-hmm. that she may be insulated from a lot of these conversations, but she certainly has a very well formed opinion about it. Right. And that's that's the thing that I think is really smart about the movie as well. It doesn't make Lydia someone who is so out of touch that right. when she says these things, she's like, well, uh, you know, in my day, it wasn't bad. She almost comes from a place of like. I'm a lesbian and the first woman is like official Berlin orchestra conductor ever. Yeah. Like I understand it, like the social issues that come along, but the point is to overcome those and like her, her, you know, view on the world is overcome and don't let these things stand your way from experiencing them. Like don't let box misogyny deny you. Yeah being able to hear the beauty of what he gave to the world. Because I think in her mind, it is both that you engage so that you can get ahead because Mm -hmm. this is the piece that will help you. Right. Because no one is going to take you seriously if you're, you know, peddling this weird modern stuff. That's not how you get into this world. Yeah. And I think the second part of it, she she actually believes this is the better music. The classical stuff is the best. And and that is evidenced by then she drags Max onto the stage. She Mm -hmm. sits behind a piano and she plays this Bach piece on piano in like and, and Kate Blanchett learned to play piano for this movie. Th- and this speak to German. me is like and speak German and conduct it, on the soundtrack of the movie. She is credited as the conductor for half the songs. <sighs> if she doesn't win way. an Oscar for this, <laughs> I'll be irritated. Uh, the the biggest thing working against her is that she's already won two, but I don't care. She's amazing. Uh, I love three beats. I oh, love yeah. winners like Tar. People who just too. continue to dominate. Me too. Me, hey, I'm with you. But you know, she takes Max on stage. She plays this Bach piece over and over again in like three or four different slight variations. And this is like, uh, this is the moment where I was like, what? What are we doing? What? Why? You know, like, like, shut it down. Give her the awards to be able to play this, to to have this so well formed character, then play the music like this so effortlessly. And we should say, and giving a soliloquy the, as she's doing it. Yes. And we should say the entire Juilliard sequence is done in a single shot. And you don't realize it for a while. And then you're like, holy crap. (laughs) I mean, this camera is just floating around this room on the stage, off the stage, back on the stage to the back of the room. I mean, this is 
this this is you know I, I you know sometimes I I've heard the phrase on some podcasts like very athletic filmmaking, mm-hmm. which is a phrase I think is it works sometimes. And this to me was that it was not showy at all, which I think sometimes that phrase evokes. Right. right. But this it's just was perfect. Everything was working so well, and she gets on stage. She plays the the Bach piece on the piano. I I just I mean everything to me was working so well in this. And it's almost hard that it's in the first like half hour of the movie because I know, I know. nothing touches it the rest of the movie. The movie's great. It's great, but yeah. it's such a statement to kick things off. It it really is. And and I and I definitely found I enjoyed the first half of the movie more. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a little long. It's a little long. Like 2 and 2 hours and 40 minutes or something like that. Almost 3. Yeah. It, it is long, but uh, you know, I, I felt like it was the first half of the movie has more of these sequences that I actually really love. You know, I heard somebody say it this way: it was, it felt like a play, not in that it was a movie that was that, that a director didn't know how to stage into, or uh, excuse me, a play that a director didn't know how to stage quite into an actual movie. Mm-hmm. That this person said, no, it's very cinematic; it stands alone. But there are these conversation pieces that have a lot more room to breathe yes. in a way that uh, a play would be written right right because you have less characters and it's all conversation but i love that and so but i love it too it's yeah. it's the juilliard piece it's the juilliard scene it's the scene with the loser conductor in america that oh, is begging yeah. her for her her performance. Please, notes. can I look at your notes? <laughs> please, please, please. And then it's the sequence with the kind of the benefactor of the Berlin Philharmonic, the guy mm-hmm. who used to conduct it, right? And, right. And and his own kind of uh, you know nightmares about cancel culture, um, right? And just how he's you know he's old enough that you're like, oh gosh, what have you done? Him. But but it's you know it's this interesting thing because. The movie evokes the, the the names of real famous classical conductors in recent years who have fallen from grace through, you know, very similar kind of grooming and, and sexual abuse things. Right. Um, and so this movie is not far flung from any sort of reality. Right. Right. You're kind of like, oh, I guess this stuff has just always happened forever. Forever. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. In all yeah. like realms and all careers. Wait a minute. People are monsters. <laughs> but the other thing I loved about the Juilliard scene is I, and I, this is kind of a spoiler, I guess, for our segments, but this is kind of my letterboxed review. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always a sucker for a long one shot, right? right. So I'm pretty quickly, I see what's happening in this scene and I'm like there for it. But I actually think that the form serves the theme of the movie in a really beautiful way because later that scene we will see again through the lens of student cell phone cameras and they've edited and it's, the video and edited and you know even just her single sentences you know a few words taken cut out, context, out and, yeah. and, and taken out of context and so it does this really smart thing where where you're like the viewer we saw the entirety of that scene mm-hmm. unedited in a single shot right we know everything that she said and we, we we know everything she said up, including Max walking away and walking out of the class. Saying, screw and, you. You know, like. Uh, he not will... just screw you. I mean, he uses some extremely explicit and misogynistic language. And that's the irony of the scene, too. I was doing the, the family version for the podcast. I know. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to say it. But but I think I think the point, you know, I think the harshness of the language is the point because he has kind of been on his own little, I can't, I can't 
conduct Bach because he was a misogynist. And then yeah. he uses that language to describe her, which I think is also right. part of the point of the movie. And I, I wonder, yeah, I'm just, I, that's a curious thing to think about. Um, well, yeah, what's, what's great about that scene too, it like works in all these like contrasting parallels because... In in the one hand, when you see that scene, you're kind of on her side, just because yeah. just just because she she's better at communicating her argument, you know. Yes. And and the the scene kind of leaves a little empathy for the student, you know. And yeah. um and you see the whole context, and so it's kind of like hearing an argument and being able to watch both sides say everything, and you actually know the whole story. And then, but as the movie progresses, you start to feel for this kid, where you're like, you know. <laughs> she is this monster and maybe yeah. she shouldn't be able to get to rise to the top of this world and just like destroy these people along the way in you know in many different ways and so you're on his side by the end but also when that video comes out you're like wait but that's not that's edited to make uh, her look yes. worse this so is great the whole movie is like yes and no and yes and no and yes yeah. and no what do you think and it, it refuses yeah. to give you a this is what happened. This is what this movie thinks about this character yeah. or this yep. um, current cultural moment. Yes. I think that's such a great point is because then there is a sense of injustice when this dumb video is the thing that causes her to fall. Mm-hmm. And, and and then there are these suicide allegations, which I, I think smartly the movie doesn't even really fully deal with those. Right. It just hangs over her. A former student of hers commits suicide and it's inferred that she blames Lydia for the suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a very modern, like that's a very modern kind of internet age bullying, Mm -hmm. you know, thing to tackle. And, and it plays with the ambiguity of how do you, Mm -hmm. how how do you deal with that? Right. right? Cause we don't, we don't get to see any of that. Absolutely. I, I am really, Oh gosh. So we just watched uh, Netflix's Love is Blind season three because we we like our trashy reality show. Of course. And Love is Blind, they have to get engaged without ever seeing each other. They talk (laughs) through a wall, right? And then once they're engaged, they can see each other and they have four weeks to to plan a wedding and get married. And then I think the producers make them stay in it until the wedding. I think there's some appearance fee that they get because then they make their decision if they actually want to get married when the (laughs) officiant says – you know, repeat after me, do you, you know, if so, say I do. And, you know, five couples got engaged and three of them were no's at the altar. And one of these couples, this woman, she just destroyed this young guy at the altar, like said no. And then, and then said, you've caused me, you know, to have immense insecurity, self-esteem, body, you body shamed me. I've developed an eating disorder in the last month. I mean, just like, and said all of this in front of their friends and family. And thankfully, actually, his parents refused to participate because they did not like this reality show thing. Smart. Um, yeah. And and just destroyed him. And then, like, all of her friends applauded and she walked out. And this this kid is like uh, – and, and I say kid. I mean, he's 25, but she's she's 31 or 32. So there's a, there's a maturity difference in them. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I don't know. I don't know what – I don't know what this is. Right. And, and then, then after, you know, uh, six months, eight months later, they filmed, you know, just recently, within the last couple of weeks, because they had seen all the episodes, they filmed a reunion with mm-hmm. all the couples. And they're there. And this woman doubles down, just 
she says, you, you body shame me. You were constantly asking about my food. And, you know, and, and he basically then looks at the camera and he's like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then they bring up and it's, it's like amazing piece of like kind of cultural, you know, culture and reality show, because then she brings up this story of they were filming. She had been starving herself because of her self-esteem issues that were caused by him. And she went to eat two cuties, two mandarins. Mm -hmm. And he said, he, the way she says it, he said to me, you're going to eat two of those? And she said, yeah, serving is two. Is that okay? Well, you know, we're going to have dinner really soon. You need to, you know, you better you better be able to eat dinner or whatever. Um, and she had only had a spoonful of peanut butter and a banana all day. And, and mm-hmm. anyways, like it was this moment of shaming her for this food choice. Right. And this guy looks at the camera and he says, if you have the footage, please just please play it. Like he's pleading with the producers. Dang. And the reunion ends, and then they play this footage, and it is such a different story. Right, right. It's like they're eating cherries together. You know, he's been talking about this giant meal they're about to go to, and he's like, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go. Right. She pulls two, she pulls two, two mandarins out. She starts talking about how she has had nothing to eat, and he says, really? You haven't eaten anything? I offered to get you a poke bowl when I went out today. Oh, my god! You, you said no. And then she said, oh, I'm going to have two of these. And he says, okay, but you better better save your appetito for our giant dinner. <laughs> and like, he's just this goofball. Because I want you to stuff your face later. <laughs> <laughs> and and it is a totally different Night story. And, day, and then yeah. and, and the show ends. And and it is this thing of, what do you make of that? Right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, as trashy as the show is i'm kind of fascinated by it as a right as kind of uh, 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 an encapsulation the, of our culture right now the amount of times at the end of an argument or during an argument with sarah and me where we're like we need a video camera because you're, you're saying i said this and i know for a fact i didn't say that it's like okay <laughs> like we need yeah we we need a reality show to keep us uh you know accountable to when the yeah, big that's fights what happen. we need that's yeah. what we need Truman Show it and, up. You know, I, I, and I don't want to Hey, Lexus, say this I know guy you're was recording totally this innocent. whole thing anyway. Can you tell us who <laughs> was right about it? I want to say this guy was totally innocent because he was pretty immature. Sure, he, sure. He you know, he did not do things right. He he had a scene where they were but on vacation that's where he was the point, flirting with another girl. All of right? this stuff is gray. Yeah. All of this yeah. stuff, depending on what little context you have, you're going to infer a yeah. world of possibilities and reactions. That's right. That's right. And... Uh, and that's what Tar really presents is this, and and Lydia is a predator in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like she she is oh, yeah. an abusive predator. Like that is she does not get away with that. The movie is is clear to show her doing her kind of grooming thing with this new cellist mm-hmm. in the orchestra, and and specifically like rigging. I love that sequence where they do the blind auditions, mm-hmm. and you know they're not supposed to see the people who are performing. But Lydia had seen a woman in the bathroom and sees her shoes walk onto the stage, even if she can't see anything else, and she makes sure that right. to give this one high marks. So she's in the orchestra because this is her next target or whatever. Even though know. she is talented, even though she is yeah. incredibly talented, right? That, and that's that's one of those areas too where you're like, but she kind of is the best choice. Yeah, but <laughs> it's yeah. like, but she's also getting this preferred treatment. Yes. Yeah, and and so it is this constant kind of is it nepotism? Is it this? Is it yeah. this? Lydia Tarr is a bad person. 
right? Yeah. Like this, we know she she totally is. Yeah. Uh, but it is a f- it really, I think, so much of the movie is less about the genius mm-hmm. abuser and more about our culture now. Yeah, and you know how there, I, say there's a great moment in the I don't, it's not the deposition, but when she meets with her like uh, PR team and the people yeah. at oh, this organization. I, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. Well, the PR person hands her this paper that says like all of these people have said that you have been abusive towards them you know or like whatever um just inferring these sexual relationships inappropriate with students all this stuff to and, and very transactional relationships you know and she just like takes one look at it and she's like this is ridiculous none of this like this is all lies all, you know this didn't happen and it just so reminds me of any time there's a contro- controversy in our real world and you get the statement from whoever's yeah. been accused of anything and they're like no this is all lies this is ridiculous like yeah yeah. And like a percentage of the time, yeah, it was all lies and it comes out later. But yeah. most of the time it's not. Or we don't know. We'll never know. But yeah, it just, yeah, kind of her sense of power and um, kind of being above common society, she can just move through the world with this. This is not my reality that I will be taken down for any of this. So it's not going to happen. This is not what I've carefully placed as the conductor yeah. of my life you know, yeah. for me. So it's not part of the, part of the story. And, and I love then to the meeting that she has with some PR firm after her like fall from grace mm-hmm. and in which it's like, okay, what are we going to do? What's the plan? And he's like, we're going to take small steps. We're crafting a story, mm-hmm. you yep. know? And it's like, yeah, this is, this is the language oh, that yeah. is used in meetings like that. And it is, how do we tell that story? Oh, they'll buy it. They'll buy that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like politics is this right now. Celebrity culture is this right now. It's like it doesn't matter what happened. It's like people yeah. will eventually get over it, or depending on how we share about it, we can we can get through. We can thread the needle. Yep. How, and or how long we wait, or or this or that, right? And it's all and, very thought out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all, if you will, orchestrated. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> now, uh, can we talk? I, I can, can we talk about the filmmaking itself? We talk about the story. We talk about Kate a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Todd Field's first movie in sixteen years. He. I listened to an interview with him recently. He's been doing a lot of commercial work, which is kind of cool. But I was really blown away by oh, yeah. by the the filmmaking of this yeah. movie. Like we already talked about the Juilliard scene. I think it, the movie looks incredible. Yeah, you're kind of just like, who is this now? Just yeah. dropping this this out of nowhere. The have you heard the the stuff about the uh, rhythm and meter of yes. the different characters? Yes, and I was. Like paying attention to her walking at 120 beats per minute. Okay, so you had heard about it before you saw the oh, movie. Yeah. We have the same yeah. Twitter algorithm. Of course, I did. I, that's that's true. <laughs> I, see, I didn't. I didn't hear about it till after. You know that. So so Lydia. So um, Hildur, composer for this film score. Mm-hmm. She won an Oscar a couple years ago. Hildur Guten Gutenantitur. She's an Icelandic composer. Uh, she and Todd Field has the idea that all the characters should have these different rhythms. And mm-hmm. so Lydia is 120 beats per minute. Olga, the cellist, is much slower. Mm-hmm. And to the point where Kate Blanchett wore an earpiece and was listening to music that the composer had uh, mm-hmm. created specifically for Tar's character. When she's like walking. And she would, or, yeah. and she would walk at that pace, right? And then every person, or or in these two people that she gets really annoyed with, and this is like very visible, but I think it probably happens elsewhere. Uh, her 
her like assistant conductor uh sebastian sebastian who she like gets rid of him he has a metronomic tick if you will where he's always clicking his pen mm-hmm. he he's picking his pen and like clicking, she steals and clicking the pen it. it's just like yeah. she steals the pen. it's perfect i know uh but then max from the juilliard scene he has this tick on his knee where he's mm. twitching his leg and and it's driving her crazy because right he, and she she keeps needing to stop it hyper-awareness uh, of sounds around her oh and that's that line right the mm-hmm. the i forget her mentors her, quotes her, her mentor quotes yeah yeah and and it is we judge a man's genius by his sensitivity to sound right like and yeah. and 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 you feel that when she's out you know on her morning jogs and there's like a woman screaming in one sequence right it's like kind of this horrifying thing you're like what is this movie about to turn into i know and nothing ever comes of that other than there is this chaos of sound around her in a lot the of ways. rattling in the car yes yeah. yes uh and i think and I think to those two instances of Sebastian and Max and they're like metronomic ticks. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's almost like, and she says this at the beginning of the movie when Adam Gopnik asks her, "What's the point of a conductor?" and she says, "It can't start without me. Right. I am time. I am time." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guys, it's like Thanos. Uh, yeah. But but it's almost like these these characters and others are not. It's it's the whiplash line. It's whiplash. Not my time. 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 Yeah, and, you cannot and start she can, without me. And she cannot stand it. Like, yeah, you, you are because she is 120 beats per minute the whole movie, and you, you are out of sync with my story, my yeah. rhythm. Yep, yep, yep. And and she cannot stand for that. I mean, it's it's a it's just so subtle and and brilliant. Um, <laughs> when she steals the pen from Sebastian, it looks murderous. <laughs> oh yeah, I've it does. never seen someone like I just pick up a pen <laughs> off a desk and it looks like. A serial killer. Yeah, it's incredible. I I love it. I love it. Uh, and then, okay, l- last but, thing, should we mention the yeah. final shot? Ah, uh, oh yeah, I love this. Which the end of the movie so, drags a little bit for me. I was kind of like asking, like, okay, we could have ended it a few times here. I, I will say, as I was watching it, I felt that. Mm-hmm. But then the final shot was such a payoff to it. I think the final shot is great. I thought just like some of a getting there could have been done away with i agree know? yeah and i felt that especially because it's like i don't know what we're going towards right. right it felt like it was like oh there's another 40 minutes of this yeah no and it's kind of this extended epilogue she's really fallen from grace you know she's gone back home to her home in america where she runs into her like blue collar brother he calls her linda and then she gets on a plane the next day to asia somewhere yeah and then travels like by bus and boat Mm-hmm. To and she's kind of rural area. It feels like maybe kind of a return to roots because she talked about being yes. in the Amazon, learning about these you know different musical traditions and yes, you know. yes. It it definitely felt like oh she's gonna oh cool she's gonna go get back to her roots and learn from some native culture right right and she she finds herself the conductor of an orchestra for Monster Hunter, which is a very 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 famous like video game rpg yeah in japan yeah like nobody popular. here knows about it but the final shot she's like conducting an orchestra they're starting and you're like okay this is just her new her new gig 
and then it yeah. pans on a dolly to the audience and it just reveals cosplaying you know video yes. game nerds. yeah it's like a it's like some some comic-con yeah and there's this like great narrator's voice over her because it's it's like it's like you know i went and saw star wars in concert right right which is a full orchestra playing star wars music over film you know but it's not it, even it's, that it is oh yeah no yeah. it's it's so cheesy and it's everyone's like, in costume yeah many degrees it is the antithesis to her world and it's funny because it, it the scene before that when she's rehearsing with this orchestra she starts by saying now what we want to ask what is the piece asking of us mm-hmm. what is the piece <laughs> trying to say and you're like okay they're you know they're getting into some Bach or something and then you find out it's just like the score of a video game right. and 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 I love how seriously she takes it but it's also so silly and it's such a fall right it's you know this is killing her yeah yeah, yeah. it's amazing it's amazing yeah. I loved the ending I heard complaints yeah, me too. about it no, no. I, I think that it would have been less if they had ended it when she was watching, like, the videotape of her, like, mentor, idol, oh, hit, yeah. composer, and she's kind of, like, going back to the roots of why she loves music in the first place. Or there, there's just a couple ending spots that they could have, but they would have been... You you wouldn't have felt the, the drop, the, like, at the lowest rock bottom for her if they had done that, you know? Because, yeah. like, it's almost like, like more grace on her if she's just yeah. out of the game completely. But yeah. it's like a, a deeper hell for Tar to still be conducting, but in this yes. like most demeaning for her and most context. isolated, removed context. Yeah. yeah, it's it is like the pinnacle of classical music world is the built Berlin Philharmonic, and yeah. now she's in some remote area of Asia. Yeah, with you know the video game people. Right, <laughs> it's perfect. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I know you gotta wrap up soon. Then we have some segments. Yeah, uh, but I wanted to ask what you, just a quick, and I know it's such a big topic, but what do you make of this idea that we are coming to grips with of how do you appreciate someone's art knowing who they were and how much does that matter? It it's so tough because at the end of the day, it's tough. We're, we're all kind of monsters, some much more so than others. But it it is tough because I wouldn't ever want to make the argument that oh well, that was more accepted in box right or whatever. right because it it wasn't really right like it was because important people did it and that's whose history is written by right but it doesn't make it any better i mean it's like we there's a been a reckoning the last couple of years in this in the in some more kind of serious theological circles or pastoral circles of right should we be reading theologians who are slave owners right and totally and it's kind of like you know my my kind of stance of this i get how a lot of their stuff is helpful but can we get it from someone else who wasn't a slaveholder <laughs> right hey i've got an idea <laughs> uh, probably and also yeah. they, it's not the bible they're not they're not the bible right, right? and but you so, can't get beethoven from not beethoven that's what's tough I, well i, I agree yeah I, I mean i think there's there is a there it's hard yeah it is a really hard thing yeah Uh, but i appreciate the question and and asking you to hang out with that versus this is what the movie thinks goodbye oh yeah 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 what what do you think about it i don't know i mean obviously the kanye stuff has got you like has got me like i've listened to his music a lot it's how do you hey i mean you can't enjoy it the same way that you did yeah and that's probably true for a lot of even that student talking about Bach, it's like, I didn't know that about Bach. I'm like, oh, dang yeah. it. You know, I mean, I don't listen to Bach all the time, but sometimes they're like to put on classical uh, music. I do. I do. Yeah. 
There's like, a Yo-Yo Ma doing the Bach Cello Suites album that I that I write. See, to. that's that should be the get around. Like Yo-Yo Ma is dope. Yeah, that's true. Until that's true. years later, we'll find out some horrible thing about him. Um, but for now, he's great. So if yeah. like, I'll let him take the heat for covering it, but I'll listen to him. It's hard though. Yeah, I mean, there you know? there that's some of the complexity too. It's well, yeah, I like, like Annie Halls. You know, it's I like, mean, it's like I love even in the movie, movie, but this is brutal. But it's like. It's even in Tar as you have the Berlin Philharmonic and like, well, all those musicians are really talented and great. Yeah. Like, why can't this just be about them and yeah. not about the person at the podium? Yeah. I uh, mean, and so contextual too, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. Like, like that student I choosing think, what musical path they want to go down and uh, explore is one thing. And then, you know, some of the most awe-inspiring compositions yeah. in the world being performed by these, you know, musicians who have worked their entire yeah. life for, you know, I mean, but it's like movies too. It's like, well, I can watch Annie Hall because it is a time capsule. It exists from a certain point in time. Right. But if a, if a young director said they wanted to remake Annie Hall or produce some unproduced Woody Allen script, everyone would be like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I love Annie Hall. I do not condone the makers of this movie's actions, but you know, at the same time, if Hitler, made a painting and it was like amazing i probably wouldn't go and be like this i mean, listen he did some no. he did some hard he did some rough stuff some very not cool stuff we, we would not be interested in that painting but the painting's amazing like no one's doing that you know i mean like that's a really really wait once you pull out the hitler example you're kind of intellectually done yeah, but but well but i also think it's it's like well what, what was hitler's aim his aim was actually to radicalize people and change their ideology right 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 i, I don't think that's right what lydia tar is trying to do right i mean she actually in, in some ways she kind of is in the juilliard scene she is trying to instruct people of a certain ideology but right but a, a, a one that is often at odds with her behavior i mean there right. is true it's tough big questions from tar but let's jump into the segments this is excuse me a damn fine couple segments letterbox right. review what you got uh this is my second five star movie of the year what was your first um, top gun top gun and that if that's not the spectrum of your taste in movies oh my gosh isn't it though it's perfect it like bookends. really is yeah it, it, i was thinking i've been thinking about it a lot because i just i got on this movie's wavelength so quickly mm-hmm. and and i just was leaned in ready to go oh yeah and yeah i like i thought this masterful was, this is yeah, this is the uh, best movie I've seen this year. Yeah. Um, Definitely the best movie I've seen this year. I give it four and a half. Um, just the the last third starts to lose me a little sure, bit. Sure. But I could see that bumping up after another yeah. watch. Because the yeah. other thing, too, is that because there are like thriller aspects or like mystery aspects, you're trying to yeah. solve it as you're watching yeah. it. And then they don't give you that. So I feel like if I were to yeah. watch without trying to do that and more just knowing what's happening and then yeah. getting to enjoy that, it might be a different... I might yeah. bump it up to five. Who knows? Um, all right. Do you have a favorite shot? Uh, I I do, but it's more of a first impression favorite shot. Okay. Less than what maybe it would be if I could think about it and yeah. you know, really look at the composition. But the shot of her waiting in the wings at New Yorker Fest, dressed and ready to go out there. Mm-hmm. And... The way that it kind of frames Kate, you know, it's like in, in the shadows, mm-hmm. you know, very different than the 
at the podium under the lights kind yeah. of thing. Her face is but almost scary also, the way it's lit. Her face Ghostly. is scary. Yeah. And then you watch her do this kind of like, oh, it must be her ritual of like, she gets a glass of water from She's her like, assistant. <laughs> she takes a little vitamin or something, right? Yeah. Or and, something else, who knows? Or something else. And then she like twitches her face, right? You, you, you're like, oh, this is what she must do every single time she's about to go on stage. And it sets such a tone for what that character is. Because it's really your first introduction to her other than that um, yeah. shot on the plane. But yeah. For sure. So that, I don't know. I just, that, it was such a great first impression to me that oh, just yeah. carries with me through the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mine, it's it's one of the moments that just, I don't know why I felt this way and it ended up being right, but when she's looking for Olga because she like ran off and she's going into oh, this yeah. like ghetto in Berlin, you know, it's like yeah. run down apartments and graffiti and stuff like that. There's a shot where she's like looking down a stairwell. Oh, yeah. And the way it's framed, it's like half the screen is the her silhouetted in this dark corridor that leads downwards. Yeah. And then in the other side of the screen, her car is parked down an alleyway, like far away. And um, and then she flicks the light on to go down these stairs. And for some reason, when I was looking at that shot, I was like, this is where everything changes for her. Like, mm. I had that, this, oh, this wow. like, separation of these worlds. Like, her, like, silent car, and his car, her car is silent <laughs> like when you hear it driving. Yeah. When yes. The scene's inside. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you know, the prestige, it's a Porsche, blah, 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 off in the distance. Yeah. Versus, like, the depths of this basement that's flooded looking for that like exploitative relationship yeah yes you know and i was like okay and she she chose and there's a descending into it yeah right like all of it is really great and i had no idea what was going to happen but i just felt this is where everything breaks you know yeah and it kind of was the catalyst for i mean obviously she had done stuff before but that's when the movie turns to revealing all of her yeah. downfalls. So that was probably mine in terms of being a powerful, you know, I also liked one of the dream sequences where she was on that bed in, uh, in the bed in, in the, the water yeah. and she starts being set on fire. That's just a cool shot. It didn't really mean yeah. a lot to me, but it was a cool shot. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I like, I like that. I like that, that dream like sequence in Berlin that is just really startling in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So what else do we got? We got um, just anything else you've been watching? Unsung hero, Mitchell. Unsung hero, hit me with yours. Because I got to think about mine. I think mine. it's. I think my unsung hero has got to be the loser conductor that's begging for her notes, <laughs> who has got this such a weird presence in the movie. The weirdest haircut I've ever seen. The terrible haircut. Like Lord Farquaad. <laughs> yes, and then he shows up really just to get tackled by Lydia <laughs> yeah, at right. the end of the movie. It's amazing. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that. Just the punching uh, bag in the film. The the punching bag in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, no, there's a literal punching bag because that's what she does for working out. Oh, right. Uh, I also really like the 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 guy, the kind of a the, the friend of hers in the orchestra Mm-hmm. that she has a conversation with early about changing over assistance and mm-hmm. that and he's in the orchestra and it and he doesn't really have any other lines after that it just keeps cutting to him the guy with glasses and it's like this yes yeah, yeah he's great and that like dark curly hair and it just keeps cutting to him for like <laughs> he's just like oh, he doesn't boy, have a line but it's just a, yeah it's just like this knowing presence i don't know i i there stuff like that is done really well in this movie, mm-hmm. right? That a, a knowing look can carry, you know, a, a more than enough for any dialogue. It's just so. I mean that sincerely that I actually appreciate the way that was woven in. What about you? Um, I'm gonna go with her, the neighbor that she hates, and her dying. Oh my mother. gosh, we've not <laughs> talked about this story at all. I know she's just disgusted with this like 
like lower middle class neighbor and her dying mother. Is that what it is? Is that I, what it is? Is it? I feel is like it when, a disgust? when she helped the mother get up out of the chair and she had like soiled herself, you know, and like yeah, all this stuff. She and she runs back and washes it off and like get this yes. off me. Yes. Um, it, it just felt like a there's a certain world that I have oh, removed myself from because she came from it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because she recognizes herself in it and she's so repelled by it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And just like frantically like get the like smell of this person off me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But they they do such a great job of just bothering her. Oh yeah, yeah. that's great. I love I love that. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Um, I'm glad we got to talk about that. All right, what else have we been watching? Well, maybe in preparation for our next episode, Criterion has been doing a noir November on their channel, like a playlist of of noir movies. Uh-huh. And so, and every time we go to Sarah's parents' house um, for the weekend, they love Turner Classic Movies, so that's all we watch. So I've just been on a noir kick. That's all I've been watching. But, but not Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, that was just that was our anniversary. We rewatched that. Wait, but was that a real tweet or letterbox review? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Her dad did no, not like no. that movie. They said the <laughs> f word, and he did not like that. Uh, yeah, I, I rewatched Grand Budapest. It's great. It's not quite five for me, but it's great. Let's see. I watched uh, also maybe in prep for an upcoming episode. I watched uh, this week the Banshees of Enter Sharon, mm. the new Martin McDonough, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson film. Heck yeah. Um, I'm not going to say too much about that. And I watched the 2022 See How They Run, the kind of murder mystery mystery throwback at the Christie thing um, with Saoirse Ronan and Sam Rockwell. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And you know what? It was very boring, so I would not (laughs) recommend it. Um, Yeah, I can tell. But I am currently in the middle of uh, Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven, which is this Crusades-era historical epic in the kind of vein of Gladiator. And I had always wanted to watch it, but I heard the theatrical cut was really bad and that the three plus hour director's cut is really good Hmm. and maybe kind of the example of the biggest discrepancy between a director's cut and a theatrical cut um and the three hour and 15 minute director's cut is on amazon prime right now the first duel you might say yes 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 uh so i've watched about half of that it's but it is three plus hours long and oh boy Uh, we got anything else i think that's it and be on the lookout we're toying with some episode ideas but the next one might be a noir recommendation uh and we'll get into why on that episode so in the meantime follow us on instagram at movies while i sleep leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts and send hey send send the pod to a movie lover in your life yeah and you know we haven't said this in a while but reminder for people as always our theme music is by the amazing fantastic andy carhall go follow him on instagram he's gonna be putting out some music soon and actually his uh moniker that he's adopted for like his musical projects to see you in the movies oh so that's cool i thought it might be andy tar hall oh jeez okay we gotta go we gotta wrap on that one (laughs) good night y'all bye this time i want you to do it with a bit more grandeur (laughs) with some majesty and a soupçon of awe